Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Family, because I'm gonna be reading scripture before we pray today, let's go ahead and make our Bible confession first. If you don't mind, lift your Bibles up. It doesn't matter what form they take and say this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible in Jesus name. Amen. And we're going to jump off and we're going to read before we pray Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 30 in the voice we embarked on this passage of scripture last session. Peter says, Lord, when someone has sinned against me, how many times ought I forgive him? Once, twice, as many as seven times. Jesus said, you must forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus went on to say, if you want to understand the kingdom of heaven, think about a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Just as the king began to get his accounts in order, his assistants called his attention to a slave who owed a huge sum of sum to him. A laborer might make in 500 lifetimes what a laborer might make in 500 lifetimes. The slave, maybe an embezzler, had no way to make restitution. So the king ordered that he, his wife, their children and everything the family owned be sold on the option auction block. The proceeds from the slave sale would go towards paying back the king. Upon hearing this judgment, the slave fell down, prostrated himself before the king and begged for mercy. Have mercy on me and I will somehow pay you everything. The king was moved by the pathos of the situation. So indeed, he took pity on the servant, told him to stand up and then forgave the debt. But the slave went and found a friend, another slave who owed him about a hundred days wages. Pay me back that money shouted the slave, throttling his friend and shaking him with threats and violence. The slave's friend fell down prostrate and begged for mercy. Have mercy on me and I will somehow pay you everything. But the first slave cackled and was hard hearted and refused to hear his friend's plea. He found a magistrate and had his friend thrown into prison where he said, you will sit until you can pay me back. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and that your word is indeed true. We never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to be life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. 
It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Family, our conversation that we're going to continue today has to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is our main overarching topic. And obviously that word forgiveness has at its root the word forgive. As you recall, the word forgive at its premise is this. Turn your attention to the monitors, please. When we're talking about the word forgive, the premise of that word forgive is to give up desire or power to punish. The subtopic that we're working with right now is forgiving yourself. What we're saying in forgiving yourself is that we want you to give up the desire or the power to punish yourself. Forgive yourself. Some claim that forgiving yourself is straight up unbiblical. They say that because, at least in their belief, when they read the Bible, they say the Bible talks about God forgiving man. And the Bible also talks about a person forgiving another person. The Bible don't say nothing about you forgiving yourself. And thus they say it's unbiblical. We say not so. We believe that the Bible does establish a framework through which we can forgive ourselves. As long as you know that when I say forgive yourself, I am not asserting that you have the power to forgive yourself of sin. The implication is that when I say forgive yourself, I am asking you to release yourself from a relational debt. Everybody say relational debt. Relational debt. Exactly. Loved ones, when you deeming that you have kind of done something offensive. When you when you deem that you have an offense and you hold on to that verdict. What you do is you assign yourself a relational debt. Basically, as your mind kind of thinks back on what you did and all those memories and emotions started flowing back to you. You basically say that you are public enemy. Number one. You call yourself a bad guy. And as a result, you perceive that it is right and maybe even just. That you be punished. The closest monitor to you, please. Let me show you an image. Whenever you have, go to the next image for me, please. Go to the one other, that, not that one, go to another one. That's the one. When you think about something that you've done and you find that thing offensive, when you think about you, you don't like that you. And because you are both judge and executioner, what you do is you go on the offensive and you begin to punish yourself. And that punishment is based and fueled on the relational debt that you have given to yourself. You don't like that you. And you say that you deserves punishment. For what they did. Now, this is you talking to you. This is you dealing with you. 
This is that thing that goes on in your mind and in your heart when nobody else is listening, when nobody else is watching. This is how you view you. You're holding a relational debt against yourself. Just like those two slaves in our parable that we read, you are condemning yourself. Once again, assume that you're both of those slaves at the same time. You're looking at your relational debt and you're saying, you know what? You deserve to be punished for that debt. If we take that specific reference out of the passion, passion translation, here's what it says. Matthew 18, 28 through 31 in the Passion. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, you'd better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, please be patient with me. If you will, if you'll just give me time, I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant so thrown in prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. Family, this depicts how you treat that you. That you that you remember that did that thing. Go back to my slide with that you. This is how you treat that you. Now, I imagine that you're not walking around your house with your hands around your own throat. But, you know, I'm not so sure. I mean, people can come up with some pretty creative ways to punish themselves. A person can be in your face smiling while at the same time punishing themselves. Because it's internal. It's how you feel about you. It doesn't look, it doesn't matter how happy you look on the outside. You could be breaking down on the inside. People go through the motions all the time. Hey, married for 30 plus years. I know my wife has been madder and hotter than fish grease at me and smiled at me when company came over. <laughs> I'm talking before the doorbell ring, she was tearing me a new one. They come in and she done kissed me on the cheek to mess my mind all the kind of up. I don't know if she going to kiss me, going to cut me. What's it doesn't matter what you see on the outside. When you do not like that you, you can be tearing yourself up on the inside. It doesn't matter how you look on the outside. So you, you might not be walking around your house with your hands around your own throat. But when you have an offense against yourself, oh, you figure out a way to punish yourself. Whether we see it or not. But at a minimum. At a minimum, what you do is you take that you and you put that you in an emotional prison. And sometimes you throw away the key. There's an issue with that, though. Give me my next image. 
The issue with that family is this. When you lock up that you, you imprison all of you. You see, because that you is a part of you, you. You cannot lock up that you without without also locking up you. And when you lock up you. What do you do? Locking up you halts the present. And locking up you obstructs the future. When when you think what you're doing is just dealing with that issue that you have against yourself, what you don't realize is that you are hindering all of you. Not just that little piece of you. This is the reality of many individuals. See that person behind bars? They think that that is just, quote unquote, that you. But that's all of them. They are living a life of self-torture. They are living a life of self-condemnation. And let me tell you, that is no way to live. Living a life where inside you're always tormented about the memory of something that happened. Family, that is not the way to live. And if that is you. And you want to be free from that. You have to be willing to forgive yourself. Say this with me. Say, I must be willing to forgive myself. It's an essential step, family. If you don't want to continue to live that life where you are imprisoned by self-torture, where you are imprisoned by self-condemnation, you got to be willing to forgive yourself. Go to John chapter 8, verse 1. Let's take our conversation a little deeper. In John chapter 8, I'm going to be coming out of the Passion Translation this time. It is the account of Jesus and the woman who was brought forth, you know, captured or caught in adultery. Beginning at verse 1. Jesus walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again as soon as as soon and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words. So he sat and taught them. Then in the middle of his teaching, in the middle of his teaching, how rude. Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses's law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? 
They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. Put a pin right there. The Pharisees here and those religious scholars are obviously trying to trap Jesus. It says that. But here's what I want you to imagine. Once more, just like our slaves in our previous parable, I want you to imagine that you are both parties in particular. I want you to imagine that you are the accusers and the woman at the same time. Every time you think about what you did back when you did it, you capture that thought and you drag yourself into the court of your heart and you demand you be judged. Every time that memory crosses your mind, you grab that you, you think is just that you, and you drag that you there and you say that you deserves punishment. And you know what? In fact, you're dragging your whole life to that very spot. But let's continue. Verse six, they were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Say Jesus didn't answer them. Family, Jesus didn't answer them. He didn't want any part of condemning this woman for her error. No matter how loud his, uh, her accusers yelled and shouted and screamed, he wanted no part. He was not going to condemn this woman for her error. No matter how loud they got. The same applies to you. Jesus is not looking to condemn you for your error. So why are you looking to condemn yourself? When you bring yourself before the court of your heart and you say, I deserve to be punished. Jesus is not trying to punish you for that. Why are you trying to punish yourself? And why do you get louder and louder and demand punishment when Jesus has already said he's not trying to punish you for that? The desire to punish yourself is yours. Jesus is not trying to condemn you for that. If you do not want to continue to live in this state of self-torture, this state of self-condemnation, loved ones, you got to forgive yourself. Verse 7, angry. They kept insisting that he answered their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. Hmm. Then and then he bent over and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. 
go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. Jesus never punished her, in case you don't notice there. He simply offered her forgiveness. Jesus didn't pull her to the side and talk to her in depth about what she had done. He just offered forgiveness simply. He didn't pull her and her accusers together and try to get to the bottom of everything and try to get the history and all the facts before he replied. No, he simply offered her forgiveness. Get this. He offered her forgiveness and his offering was not quid pro quo. He didn't offer her forgiveness, but in exchange, he would only offer it if she did something for him. Jesus simply offered her forgiveness. The Bible says, looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, then certainly I don't condemn you either. He forgave her. Now get this. I know when you read that, it doesn't exactly say that Jesus used the exact words, I forgive you. It doesn't show that Jesus used the exact form of a forgive word in there. But it does express that Jesus forgave her in context of what we know. What do I mean? It reads, looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go back, please, to my origin slide. We can say that Jesus never used the word forgive, but when he was talking to this woman, you know what he expressed? Dear lady, I give up any desire to punish you. Dear woman, any power that I have to punish you, I relinquish that power. Even though he did not say the word forgive specifically in our text, he, he most certainly expressed it. Forgiveness is the state, a state of being free. And Jesus forgave this woman and he set her free. When this woman left Jesus's presence, she left Jesus's presence with two items. Two items. And they're an important two items. He left, she left with forgiveness, say forgiveness, forgiveness. and a choice, say choice. choice. Turn to the monitors, please. This woman left Jesus with forgiveness and a choice. Two things. Forgiveness, when he gave her forgiveness, that liberated her present from her past. As far as that choice is concerned, though, that choice is hers. 
she has to choose whether or not she's going to move forward in her freedom or if she's going to reach back in her past and bring that into her future. When we engage Jesus, when we elect to be children of the most high God, when we say Jesus come into our heart, when we accept God's free gift to salvation, you know what happens when we become one with Christ? We leave with those same two things. We leave with forgiveness and we leave with a choice. We can decide at that moment if we're going to move forward in the freedom that God has given us or if we're going to continue to drag our past into our present and forward into our future. That choice is ours. Forgiveness is given. But that choice is ours. When we talk about these two things right here, forgiveness and choice. And we look at that first item, forgiveness. We must realize that forgiveness from God is complete. Here is what the Bible says about the way God forgives. In Psalm 103, verse 12, in the voice version of the Bible, it says this. You see, God takes all your crimes. All our crimes are seemingly inexhaustible sins and removes them. As far as east is from the west, he removes them from us. Colossians 1 verses 12 through 14 in the Amplified Classic. Giving thanks to the father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is inherit is the inheritance of the saints. God's holy people in the light. The father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dom and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7 Amplified Classic. In him we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood. The remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. If God forgives us completely, why do we continue to condemn ourselves? If God forgives us completely, why do we continue to hold unforgiveness against ourselves? That brings us to that last second item, choice. Listen to what Jesus tells the woman in John 8. Once again, in verse 11, Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. And her final words. Let's read that together. Give me verse 11 in John 8 in the voice version of the Bible. Because we've already talked about that first item, forgiveness. But the second item of choice, you're going to see Jesus gives, us a, gives her a choice. 
when it comes up, here's what you'll see. Jesus says, then I certainly don't condemn you either. And he says, go. And from now on, be free from a life of sin. That's a choice. The King James Version says, go and sin no more. Amplified Classic says, go on your way and from now on, no sin no more. The voice says, all I ask is that you go and from now on, avoid the sins that plague you. After Jesus forgives this woman, he tells her that she needs to make a decision about how she's going to move forward in her future. She has to be the one that decides whether or not she pulls her past forward. That choice is hers. And loved ones, we always have the power of choice. God never takes the power of choice away from us. The power of choice is something we always retain. It's like what Moses told the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 30, easy to read version, verse 19, Moses says this. Today, I'm giving you a choice of two ways. I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice. You can choose life or death. The first choice will bring a blessing. The other choice will bring a curse. So choose life, then you and your children will live. You always have the power of choice, family. Say this with me. Say, I have the power of choice. You always have the power of choice. Yes, you do. You always have the power of choice. And loved ones, since you have the power of choice, you must choose to live. I'm not talking about choosing to just exist. You must first choose to live. And then after you choose to live, you got to make another choice. You got to choose that you're going to live forward. Not live looking in the rearview mirror, not live looking in the past, not live with your feet anchored in the past. You're going to have to make a choice. Once you say I'm going to live, you got to make a choice to live forward. You must choose to forgive yourself and release yourself from that emotional prison. Go back to my prison slide, please. You must choose to release yourself from that self-condemnation. You must choose to release yourself from that self-torture. You must choose to release yourself from that memory that's dragging you down. You must choose to release yourself. It's a choice. And believe me, I am not making light of that choice. Believe me, I've been there. I am not making light of that choice. I have had to forgive myself many times and it's not easy forgiving yourself can be flat out hard I've had to forgive myself so many times I, I lose count I want you to think about just think about me for a moment Reflect on you, but let's just talk about me. That way I'm not reflecting myself on anybody in particular. But I 
I, I listen, I cover a lot of roles in my life. Roles in my life, R-O-L-E-S. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a cousin. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a neighbor. And you get the picture. I'm some of all kind of stuff to a lot of folk. I'm sure you can check a lot of those boxes yourself. And let me tell you something. I can't cover, at least I haven't been able to cover, that many roles without at some time creating an offense. Listen, at times I have, I have done some things that I wish I could redo. At times, I have done some things that I'm not proud of. At times, I have done some things where I, I just let myself down. At times, I have done some things where, guess what? Mm, I wasn't operating in my preferred Christian character. Hmm. Let's... Let's, let's, let's go a little deeper into my situation, though. There have been times where people, I've trusted some people, or I've trusted someone that in hindsight, I shouldn't have trusted. There are times where I have hesitated, where in hindsight, I should have moved forward. There are times where I move forward, where in hindsight, mm, I should have hesitated. There are times when I spoke up, when in hindsight, I should have kept my mouth shut. There are times I remained silent, when in hindsight, I should have spoke up. The bottom line is, deep inside of me, I felt like I messed up. And in response, what did I do? I put myself in an emotional prison. I tortured myself. Whether I was in a crowd or by myself, I beat myself up. I beat myself up because of that memory, because of what happened. Self-torture, that was my game. But you know what? I had to let myself go. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive myself because if I didn't forgive myself, my present was going to be continued to be halted. My future was going to continue to be obstructed if I didn't forgive myself. How did I get there? I'm telling you how I got there. I got there this way. This is how I stopped justifying looking at an offense from my past and making it the justification for punishing me in my present and hindering my future. I had to acknowledge something. 
Say, what did you have to acknowledge, Pastor? Ooh, I caught you napping. Woo! Culture, culture, culture. Let's try that again. Say, what did you have to acknowledge, Pastor? That's what I'm talking about. But let this reflect on you, too. Family, I had to acknowledge that when I look back at, in time, that I knew what I knew at the time. I had to acknowledge that I had what I had at the time. I had to acknowledge I was at where I was at at the time. I had to acknowledge that I was who I was at the time. That was very important. Because who you were at the time encompasses your mindset, your manner of speech, your approach to things, everything and everything about you that made you make that decision whenever you made the decision you made had to do with who you were at the time. And there is nothing I could do to go back and change any of that. So I had to forgive myself. Otherwise, I would be continually stuck in yesterday. Now here comes your part. I want you to say this with me. Because it's going to go a long way in releasing you, I pray. When you think back on whatever that thing is that's hindering you. I want you to say this to yourself. Say this with me. Say, I cannot, I cannot go, back go back and change it. And change it. I, knew I knew what I knew, what I knew at, the at the time. I had what I had, what I had at, the at the time. I was where I was at the time. I was the person I was at the time and there's nothing and there's nothing I can do to change that all I can do is forgive myself and move forward loved ones that's what I had to do and you know what it was liberating and that forgiveness of myself releasing myself from that relational debt not forgiving myself of sin. That paved the way for a more enjoyable future for me. And I so want you to experience that same freedom. To do so, though. I'm going to please ask you to do something. You have to forgive yourself. You. Forgive you. If you don't take that, if that first essential step, you're going to continue to drag yourself back into yesterday. And that's not God's best for you. I want to pray for you today. And I know in our current environment, we're not necessarily laying hands the same way we used to. 
if it weren't for that, believe me, I'd be face to face with you right now. But I'm going to ask you to do something. And in asking you to do something, I don't want you to look at the person around you. I don't want you to think about what people are going to think or say. I simply want to pray for you. If there is something, anything, that has, you have been holding in yourself as a relational debt against yourself, please stand to your feet. Anyone. And this is strictly to you. You don't have to stand because anybody else stood for you. God, I thank you for those who are standing now in your presence. Sometimes, God, we can take things that are in our past and we can assign ourselves a relational debt. A debt that says that we should somehow be punished for what we did, punished for not being there, punished for saying what we said, punished for not saying what we should have said, punished for, for whatever. But let every single parent know that whatever happened with that child, you were the person that you were at the time. You had the resources you had at the time. It's not necessarily that you meant to, to do anything wrong, but you had the mindset that you had at the time. You don't know why it happened the way it did. All you can say is that it happened and you have to move forward. Do not be condemned with that, God. Please help them release themselves. Perhaps there is a loved one that something happened to that loved one and you say to yourself, oh, I wish I would have been there. I should have been there. I should have done more for them. I should have I should have said what I wanted to say to them and you didn't do it. But God, don't let them hold that as a self-condemnation thing that locks them up for life. Allow them to. Be free. Allow them the power and the strength, God, to take that choice and just release themselves. Allow them to move forward. We're not saying that the memory won't still hurt. We're not saying that the memory still won't come back. But there is liberty in living forward. God, if there's anyone here who's thinking about the time that they should have, but didn't. I don't want them to leave this place with that weight. Whether it's a marriage situation, whether it's a parenting situation, whether it's a business situation, whether it's an interpersonal situation with other family members. God, whether it's something with themselves, a health issue, a fitness issue, something that they said that if I only had begun years ago, God, I would have reached my goal by now. Do not, do not, do not, family drag yourself back continually years ago in the past, even weeks ago in the past. My God, do not drag yourself back to even yesterday. Live forward. 
God, we know that things hurt sometimes. One of the things we also know is that we cannot go back in the past and change what has happened. We can forgive ourselves, though, and move forward. And in move forward, if God, we didn't prefer that person we were, the person that we refer to as that you, then what we can do is make sure the you we are moving forward is no longer that you. No longer the one that's insensitive. No longer the one that just says anything out of their mouth. No longer the one who's mean. No longer the one who doesn't listen. No longer the one who doesn't apologize. No longer the one who lets things go too long. No longer the one, God. We're going to make sure that when we live forward, we live forward disconnected from that you. When we move forward, God, we move into the future that you have for us. When we look back and we see something as a loss, but move forward in you, God, you got something else for us better. We put our faith and trust that if we put our heart and our life in your hands, you will lead us to a better day, a better us, a more enjoyable life. So for everyone who is holding against themselves a relational debt, it is my confession and my prayer that as they walk out of here today, that they say those words and mean it. I forgive me. Mm, and move forward. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.